Hey everybody, and welcome to Everything Went Black, the coffee episode. I'm here with uh, Jesse Dano and Gabriel DiMartino, the head roaster at Recess Coffee. Before we get into this, I just want to uh, run through the sponsors. Um, you know, if you're into jiu-jitsu, Muay Thai, uh, MMA, or if you're just looking for a bag to travel with, uh, please check out Datsusara. They uh, provide all hemp equipment for uh, the active lifestyle that we all lead. You guys train at all? I know that you lift weights because you got yeah. a gym coming out here in your, your spot. And also, if, um, if you're interested in supplements, check out Onnit Labs. Um, you can just, both of those places, you can just go to the portals on the everythingwentblackmedia.com website. And also, this is the first episode brought to you by Savage Gold Coffee, www.savagegoldcoffee.com. So up here in Syracuse, we're at the brand new facility for Recess Coffee. And uh, say hello, Jesse. Hello. Gabriel. Hi. Uh, Jesse, you and I met like uh, a while ago, man, like what, 12 years ago, something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, at least. Yeah, we, Jesse is, uh, used to play drums or still, I guess currently you're still active. Technically, right? yeah, yeah. In uh, Ed Gein, a band that my old band Anodyne has uh, toured with the United States with and uh that's basically how we know each other, I think. Yeah. So I remember stopping in at your retail location um, a number of years ago, and I discovered that's how you were involved in the coffee industry. So what, what prompted you to get into coffee? Um, I've always loved coffee. I don't drink, so I always preferred hanging out at coffee shops instead of bars. In between tours, my roommate at the time, Adam, was telling me about a business opportunity. Recess was up for sale, the business that I now own. So, you know, we figured we'd buy it. I'd do it in between tours. It'd be something kind of fun to do between touring, and it's kind of taken off. So, so Recess was an existing uh, shop prior to you, and you bought the uh, the brand? Or the yeah, okay. yeah, it was open for seven months before we bought it. So did you get right into roasting right away, or is that something you had to, you know, apprentice at? or? I trained with the previous owner for a while before it was technically our business and he, he taught me and then he just did it all the time and learned and went to school for it and stuff so you went to school for it yeah fairly recently so okay but a lot of, a lot of your knowledge came just sort of from like on the job yeah trial and error trial and error yeah. you know and uh so uh and Gabe when did you get involved in this whole thing oh I used to live on Westcott Street which is like the main drag over by the shop yeah and, uh, gosh, I guess it was like three, three years ago at least. Um, and I was, this was my local coffee shop. You know, I went in every day, I ordered a red eye and they, the two owners, uh, Jesse and Adam were the only two employees. So I talked to them like every day and I was sort of interested in coffee. So we just talked every once in a while and I'd come in with some thing, some new thing that I learned and ask him about it. Cause you know, you imagine that the guys behind the counter are like, gurus at whatever their their craft is and then they'd be like oh yeah that's cool I, you know uh, this is what I know about that you know and so we'd always have these little chats and I don't know one day we joked about like I, I really want to use the espresso machine and so he's like oh well, we'll give you a job here and but he wasn't joking so. <laughs> like you guys actually needed help and he so, was like hey yeah. Hey. yeah and so then I was like oh well that's cool I mean, I'd been the trumpet teacher up at SU uh, you know that's that's what I was doing every day and so I said, well, sure, you know, it actually sounds really cool. And after about a year and a half at the shop, uh, just doing various different jobs, you know, actually in between touring also, but not not with the same kind of group. Uh, what kind of touring were you doing? Like, as a, uh, Just whatever groups are, you know, 
or going out or I'd have a concert with my dad's a trumpet player too so we'd have a concert little run out that take about a week or half a week here or there you played with Chicago you know, I just played with Chicago and Man Chicago or, the, the Chicago the band yeah and uh, recently this happened yeah uh, them and Doc Severinsen and a bunch of other people I did like between October and January this past year so wow you know, so just, you're, you're a real musician, like not, yeah, like, not like not hacks like you, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. I went to school for it and grew up with it, um, so that's what I'm, you know, supposed to be doing. But this this was a really big draw for me because, you know, everybody. Well, the, the thing about it was, you know, I thought it was going to be a couple of months at most, and that it'd be fun, and they needed a little bit of help. But I figured my job would be super replaceable, and they're just the nicest like bosses to have. You know, it's like, oh yeah, go ahead, go on tour. We don't care. That's cool. Like we'll cover it. We did it alone for a long time. Like, just do what you need to do and come back and help us when you can. And it's still kind of like that today. Like, uh, you know, as the job keeps evolving, like, I, I get into it a little bit more. And at the same time, when music stuff calls me away, like, I, we figure out a way for me to be able to do it. So I've never missed anything because of this job. At the same time, I've gotten more into it because it's so easy to invest more more time and knowledge into. So I've been roasting for about a... A uh, year and not quite a half, so, um, and it's basically the whole time we've had our our most recent production facility before this one. Wow, that's impressive, man. So you learned everything from these guys over here. Yeah, Jesse taught me directly for months and months and months, and then there was a whole lot of trial and error, also. And uh, and you know uh, the machine that you you'll see in the pictures and everything that we just were were hanging out with. Uh, you know, it takes some daily trial and error anyway. Um, it's a little bit unruly, but it's it can get a really good product. And so when you when you know that about it, it makes it really easy to to try to kind of try different things and and also uh, seek out that knowledge that it is that it takes to get a good product, even if a lot of stuff is different today than it was yesterday. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's been really fun to try it and and then to be able to take that coffee home and. Actually, it's the thing that I talk about most, like with my family and with when I'm actually out on gigs. You know, people are like, "Yeah, we hear about trumpet stuff all the time." We, you know, they are all musicians; they don't care about that. Yeah. But you bring you bring a bag of coffee, and you know, you say, hey, I, "I roasted this," and they're like, "What do you mean you roasted it? <laughs> you mean you 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 work for the people, or what? What do you?" And it's like, "No, I really I put this in, like I put this in the roaster, and I made it come out the other end, and like here it is." And here's what you're going to taste, and let me make you a cup. And you know, it's a coffee. Coffee's always been a social thing, and uh, I think uh, for me, it's it's opened a lot of doors in the music world, even just because I work for these guys. So it's been super cool. I mean, I, I enjoyed it a lot, and I'm planning to enjoy it a lot more. Well, one of the coolest things about um, being involved in a business that there's actually like a tangible product is that you know, as time goes by. Uh, the idea of, of work and business becomes more and more abstract, you know, like the people are doing work where they're building the internet, basically, you know, and, and there's this sort of intangible, um, you know, cyberspace that is generating careers for people. And one of the things that's really cool about having, you know, involvement in uh, you know, the coffee world is that you actually do have something you can hold in your hands and take into your body and get your, your nourishment out of and um, you know that's something that uh, that connection I feel like is lost a lot of times in uh, when you talk to people especially you know I live in, in a, a major metropolitan city and most people are 
oh, what do you do? I was like, I write for a blog, or like I, I do, you know, video editing or, or stuff that's like very, very interesting, but also part of this like unseen uh, sort of interstitial world that sort of connects all these physical elements. But when you're dealing with food or something that has to do with like nutrition, it's like it's a tangible thing that has a direct connection with your body, you know? So that's like really interesting to me, you know? And I think that's cool that, you know, you guys are are pushing forward in that realm, you know? But, uh, so man, let me ask you a question, Jesse. Your years spent in the DIY hardcore scene, you know, has that sort of uh, cultivated this like startup entrepreneurial spirit that you have? I I think so. Um, For the first four four or five years of owning the business it was just my business partner and I yeah we worked six seven days a week we worked all the time but we were used to doing that because we would always be on tour with the band always be working not making much money so I think that definitely helped out yeah with the beginning of the business yeah because I think that that's there's it's interesting a lot of people that you know played in bands from like our sort of those years are, are doing stuff like independently and they're you know seem to be doing doing really well with their various businesses and whatnot but also Aaron you're saying Aaron is involved in his own business out here too yeah he's working full-time right now for a screen printer and he also just started his own screen printing shop he prints all our bags all our coffee sleeves you know we we, all our t-shirts any work we can give him we give him and he's always wicked busy so yeah so the um the spot that you're at right now I see you know from the first time I went into the, the current recess space to the way it is now there's been this sort of evolution of the way that the sort of vibe of the space too, uh, you know. I remember when I first went in there, you guys had like a little distro set up in the back. And yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, totally, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, when we first opened, it was more of a hangout. Yeah, we weren't taking it seriously. I was still touring all the time. So then slowly, we started realizing we could actually turn this into a real business, make some money, get serious about it, have a real job, and that's what we did. And eventually, it got busier and busier. We had to take on more staff rearrange the way the shop looks invest all the money back into the shop so even that corner on Westcott seems to have changed a lot over the years too yeah there's a lot of new businesses right now and it's Syracuse is doing well right now there's a lot of local businesses popping up and a huge drive for local right now so yeah so uh what was the prompt that um you know what prompted you to move into the larger space uh we needed to we were doing all the production inside the retail shop wasn't nearly big enough. It was terrible. I was roasting coffee and serving drinks at the same time. Business partner was baking cookies and serving drinks. So it was, wasn't working. So we finally moved into one spot. We thought we would stay there probably four or five years until we found a better spot. It was a year and a half, and then we realized we needed to move, and we went to the spot we're at now. So. And this new, the new location that you're, we're actually sitting in the new office right now, and it's like, you know. How many times bigger than where you're, what you used to yeah, work at? I mean, at least three times bigger than where we're producing right now. Yeah. And it looks like a legit, you know. Yeah, it's, a, it's a real space. Like, you can invite your parents over <laughs> yeah. here and be like, hey, mom and dad, this is where I work. And they'd be like, oh, my son is like, you know, he's doing well, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's definitely much, much nicer and much nicer to come to work and be somewhere you want to be and feel comfortable in and stuff, so. And it's out here sort of off the beaten path, you Yeah, know? so it's. We have a ton of space for our vehicles. We have a mobile unit that we need to store. We have a giant truck, too, that we store. And so what's the mobile space. unit all about? Like, what's the particulars of that, this mobile unit that uh, you have? It's a little tow-behind trailer. It has an espresso machine, coffee maker in it, little refrigerators. Every, pretty much everything a coffee shop needs just in a really small space. And we do private events right now. Today we're at a wedding with it. 
we uh, do big events all around the city. We do an event in Ithaca every month with it, so it's kind of like having a second location that we can put anywhere we want. Do you, uh, in, in, in Syracuse, um, is there like a big scene for coffee trucks and whatnot? Like, cause I know in New for, York, there's a lot of coffee trucks. There's only two coffee trucks right now, but for food trucks, there's a ton food of food trucks. trucks so, yeah. Are you guys part of that sort of like? Kind of, yeah. There's like a food truck rodeo that happens every, I don't know, every couple months and we usually do that. So we're definitely a part of that. So, um, the baking part of this thing with your, 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 you know, your former roommate, right? You guys yeah. Work together anymore. <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah, see, I didn't realize that you guys provided all that stuff in-house. I thought you had, like, different bakeries that you bought stuff from. And, you know, so it's, when you go to recess, it's kind of like a, like a one-stop sort of scenario where you can get coffee and stuff baked there. Yep, yeah. And then you also have other partnerships with local businesses too, right? Yeah, we, uh, we do a ton of wholesale. We supply a lot of businesses with our coffee. We also bring in some baked goods, like we bring in French macarons, stuff that we don't even try to make. But we make hundreds of cookies a day, cakes, everything like that, biscottis. And my business partner also went to school fairly recently in New York City for bread. Huh. Once we're producing in this new space, we're going to start a whole line of bread, croissants, things like that. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So um, how is the, what's the vegan straight-edge scene like in Syracuse these days, man? I remember like back in the old days, this was like the spot for, uh, you know, animal rights activism and, uh, you know, gang fights and things like that so is there, is there a big presence like that in the city still uh, not too much there's there's a handful of straight edge people left a handful of vegan people left there's a fairly newish vegan cafe called strong hearts they use our coffee that's a bunch of old straight edge vegan dudes all vegan um but it seems like a lot of the younger people aren't really are kind of into it anymore yeah in general is a hardcore scene still happening here or is it like it is but it's it's quite a bit different it's Last few shows I've been to seemed kind of more of that tough guy thing that it used to be forever ago. And yeah, because yeah. I, I do remember Syracuse being kind of a tough town on that, on that level. Yeah, you know, as far as like, you know, sort of thuggery and uh, and just the scene that you were more part of was almost a reaction to that, like the Westcott sort of. Yeah. You know, Trip yeah, was a little bit different than that. The, the thuggery went away for a long time, but that, I but think it back. might. I think it might be. Yeah, the last few shows I've been to, at least, it's yeah. it seemed to be back. Speaking of thuggery, uh, you reminded me on the way over here that uh, you were one of the witnesses to the uh, the infamous uh, anodyne uh, FSU threat tour. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we had no idea how big of a deal that was when when that was happening, but. Yeah. <laughs> well, what, what, when did, how did you find out that? What, what do you mean? Like, it was big of a deal? As it <laughs> well, well we, did, we never heard of FSU before. We only heard of a few crews from Syracuse, and we thought those kind of things were long gone. We had no idea the crews are still even around. And then, like, a few months later, someone was telling us, wow, dude, FSU was, like, threatening a show you guys are playing. You guys are crazy. <laughs> we're like, what are you talking about? But then when we found out everything about it, we, we realized we were in a little bit of, bit of danger, I guess, at the moment. But... That whole thing was like, that whole weekend, I remember, was kind of stressful because we had the break-in. Yeah, it was like, yeah. I forgot where we played beforehand, but it was, uh, we'd stayed in, at my place out in, you know, kind of like this ghetto-y area of Brooklyn, and it was our van and your van, and I think I assured you guys that everything would be okay out there, and uh, Graham slept in your van, and the next morning, uh, we found someone had broken into the van, smashed the windows. Yeah. And uh, stolen uh, Josh's uh, base, uh, his um, his uh, camera, his video camera. So we, you know, we ended up driving. That was after the next day was the infamous show where everyone's going to come and beat us up. So 
driving the three and a half hours with a broken window, like up 84, was kind of like, you know, a nice setup for another stressful day of like waiting around to see if people are going to come and, you know, do violence to us and stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. I don't think you guys even knew that, though. Did I, did I, I don't think you were even aware of what was going on. We, we knew, but we didn't know that. Uh, we didn't know it was it might actually happen. We were like, "Oh, it's not gonna happen." What? You know, who's gonna beat up people at a show? That's stupid. But <laughs> it didn't happen, though. No, no, it was. Uh, you know, I think I, I think I might have sat you guys down and explained the scenario thing yeah. to you too. Yeah, yeah. And you took care of it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you guys have a gym here too, right? Well, yeah, we we will now. be. Yeah, that's that's part of it. We it came with four offices. We don't need all the offices, so we're gonna turn one of them into a little weight room. Adam. My business partner super super into powerlifting. So, oh, cool! Yeah, he's he's really into it. Do you uh, you guys do you ever mess around with kettlebells at all? Yeah, yeah. So that's mainly what the kind of stuff I'm into. Nice. If you're ever in, uh, you know, I'm gonna drop a little product placement here. If you're ever in in the market for buying kettlebells, man, onit.com. They sell awesome. killer kettlebells there. Um, you know, as, as far as uh, I don't know if you ever checked out that butter oil coffee concoction that I, I sort of promote on my thing too but that's like one of the ways I start my day off is um you know you mix in grass fed but you don't you know you don't eat butter so mm. no, so forget about it so, oh no I do oh you do oh, yeah, yeah, I'm not oh I vegan. thought you were no, vegan no. still man no straight edge but not vegan no wow yeah so what what uh what prompted you to uh to start eating animal products oh god because this it is was another, a long time ago this is an interesting thing yeah like first of all, what I want to know is like why vegan, right? Like just from back in the day, why vegan? Uh, being in Syracuse, okay, exposed to all the vegan, vegan information and stuff, really right. seemed like the right thing for me at the time. Um, honestly, the thing I remember when I stopped being vegan, really wanted one of my grandmother's meatballs. It's because you're Italian, and I had one, yeah. So, yeah. so that was that, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you went, yeah. you went full on yeah. meat. Yeah, I didn't mess around. Yeah. Animal fat, <laughs> milk, yep. dairy, yeah. the whole cheese, all that, right? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So the, the thing I always wondered about, like vegan straight edge, was like, was it more of an animal rights kind of trip that those got, you know, that that scene was about, that, or at least when I was in it, that's how I felt. I, you know, like I love dogs. Dogs are huge to me, you know, and like. I like animals, you know, and it just seemed, at least at the time, you know, especially with factory farming, everything like that. Yeah, totally. You know? yeah. yeah. So it was more like uh, animal rights sort of, you know, compassion sort of thing. And, yeah, much yeah. more of that than any kind of health thing for me. Yeah. What, what changed all that? Like, what, what, why did you decide that you oh, wanted Jesus. to start eating animals again? I mean, I, I don't, I've yeah, never been, I yeah. was vegan for like a year and yeah. I almost died because I felt so completely undernourished. So I, for me, that lifestyle does not work at all. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know. I just felt it was really trendy. I felt I, I wasn't as passionate about it as I, I really should be. And instead I just fell out of it. Do you feel better physically? Yeah, well, right now I feel the best I've ever felt in my life. I'm working out all the time. I play tennis all the time. Cool. I'm at a job that I'm really happy with. You know, I have a house that I can take showers in. I'm like when I was touring all the time. So <laughs> I definitely feel the best I've ever felt. And I I don't eat as healthy as I know I should, but I do try to eat really healthy. I start the day with granola every day. I eat a salad for lunch and then dinners, whatever. But my first two meals are always some kind of uh, fiber and something healthy. Well, that's interesting, man, because, like, you know, like, I, I, I'm also an animal lover. You know, I have a cat. You know, I love dogs, all that sort of stuff. But I kind of feel like, um, you know, if uh, the, the meat or products that you're eating, the animal products are, like, humanely, you know, raised, mm -hmm. that, like, the kind of life force is, like, 
a common like the energy that inhabits like the animals and us and the plants are all sort of like one energy so it's like if you're eating plants or eating animals you're sort of recycling the same energy back into your own life force and then putting that back out into the into the you know the universe or whatever so it's almost in my world view sort of irrelevant whether or not you're taking that energy in through an animal or a plant or, you know, if you're eating, like, you know, hemp hearts or something like that or, you know, whatever, sunlight. If that's It's all part of the same trip, really, you yeah. know. But um, I find that, like, you know, eating animal, like eating, like, a fair amount of, um, you know, animal protein and taking in those essential fats, like, really has a huge impact on the way I feel, you know, because I, like I was telling you, like a long time ago, I tried, I tried being vegan. I was, you know, vegetarian, just checking all that stuff out, like in the late '90s or whatever. And um, one of the major down downfalls of that whole uh, lifestyle was the, you know, taking in all of that sort of processed food because you know everything was like, you know, soy burgers. Yeah, and, yeah it was all know, fake food. Fake yeah. food, totally. And that I think was like the biggest impact because I remember. When we were on tour together, we always ate at Denny's. Boca Burgers. Yeah. Boca Burgers. Yeah, Boca yeah. Burgers. That was like the oh, jam. Yeah. Like yeah. we would eat Boca, Boca Burgers, burgers and, French fries. and French fries. And that yeah. was like the tour diet, yeah. you know. Yeah. Not that, the healthiest thing. No, it's totally not the healthiest no. thing, man. And it's just like that. all that soy. And soy also is like, has such a huge environmental impact. Like yeah. if you're, yeah. you know, the production of soy is like. Yeah, you, you drive know. through Iowa, it's, it's soy in the whole state. It's yeah. Soy and corn, yeah. You know, but, uh. One of, the, one of the funny things I remember from the Denny's meals that we all had was how um, you guys always parked the van. Like, like you, you always had, like, an eye on the van, <laughs> yeah, and you yeah. brought all your stuff into Denny's yeah. with you. Yeah, I don't remember if uh, we got robbed before our tour with you or after. It had to be before. I, I think it was before. Yeah. yeah, we got robbed really bad. We got our whole van stolen with our trailer. We had merch money still. We had two or $3,000 oh. in the van. Yeah, we were idiots. We were really young. They stole all our merch. All our money, all our equipment. We got about 80% of our equipment back, I think. None of the money, none of the merch. Oh, yeah. The van was broken when we got it back. I mean... How'd you get your gear back? Uh, they found the guy that stole it because he stole, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of construction equipment, and he stole the Jaws of Life from a fire department and was selling it on the Internet. So the cops found him. That probably And he had was, all this stuff. That was probably how they, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, they found it. And that was in the Midwest somewhere, right? Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, Columbus. Yeah. That's yeah. where it was. Yeah, we, we went to a Walmart to use the bathroom and buy some bottled water, and it was gone the second we came out. Wow. Yeah, that was bad. Were, weren't there a bunch of other bands who got like robbed right around that same period too. Oh, probably yeah um, there's a story I heard a few times before yeah I, I know we got robbed a few times we got robbed at our practice spaces two or three times here in Syracuse a million other bands in Syracuse got robbed kind of around the same time and it was it was rough because we had we had no money we weren't making hardly any money yeah. on tour and yeah. I mean it was it was rough those days you ever get robbed on tour Gabriel I have never been robbed <laughs> of my musical instruments at least so <laughs> Parts yeah. of your soul go, got ripped, yeah. like, <laughs> from your consciousness on tour. No, I've been I've been super lucky that uh, nothing real bad has happened to me on tour. I've had to wait for my instruments and thought they were like missing in action. But uh, yeah, if you, you know, got robbed, to be a lot worse than us. So you have actual <laughs> instruments that are worth. My money. instruments are are, yeah. are expensive, but but uh, yeah, no, it's I, I've been really lucky. I haven't had any any trouble on the road or. Or on planes, or any, you know, really anything. The hardest part's getting your stuff on a, on an airplane. Actually, that's yeah. for us. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, I mean, that's that's like stressful. Yeah, you know? I actually had some stuff damaged on, on 
you know, inter overseas flights once before, like years ago. Somehow I feel like uh, probably you guys are traveling like on a little different level than I think probably you and I travel. Yeah, I, I would, I would uh, imagine. I don't know. I bet, I bet it's awfully close to the same thing. <laughs> I, I don't know what you're imagining, but it's uh, not too glorious. That I mean, I think I've one time ever had like a private tour bus, and the rest has just been like figure it out, you know, for the least amount of money because it's coming out of your check. So not really too dissimilar, I think. I mean classical musician jazz musician you know but I, I, I they're they're not really any different anymore i think than any tour musician of any kind you know it's that's a bummer man yeah it's <laughs> tough to make a living but yeah but nobody i mean like you were just saying like you weren't making any money you weren't doing it for the money you know it's not it's never about and we that. also didn't go to school and yeah you didn't well but but didn't go to school for the money have you ever heard <laughs> for him, sure have you ever heard him play drums no i've never heard him actually how how is it that you and Gabriel are coworkers and he's never heard your drumming? <laughs> we talk about yeah. it all the time. Yeah. He, yeah. he was gonna get me to come over and like play some. We were gonna record something just for fun. And I used to be a drummer in high school, so we talk drums every once in a while. But we just, you know, we we work. Maybe we work too much together. We, I just don't want to see him ever. <laughs> you gotta at least hear. So this guy's a you know insane drummer. Yeah. That's what that's what I've been yeah. told. And anyone out there who hasn't heard Ed Gein should definitely definitely check it out if you're you're into uh, extreme drumming. You guys are pretty extreme, man. If I remember, that was like it was like um, very. I would I would never say that you guys were a grindcore band, but there was like elements of that, like you know a lot of double kick, blast beats, yeah. but then like crazy rhythm stuff over the top of that. And then, like, dual vocals and, like, noisy guitar and bass and all this other craziness yeah, in there. Yeah, we put everything into it. I mean, we, we would practice every day for hours and hours, and I don't know. We, we tried it too hard back then, but we just wanted to be intense, fast. Any drum parts I wrote, I wanted to be able to not physically play yet when I wrote them, so then someday I would be, would be able to play them and become a better drummer, and we did a lot of that kind of stuff. And you guys are technically still, like, of not officially you haven't officially broken yeah, up yeah we, we've right? never broken up and we decided not to so if we ever do feel like playing a show again it's not a reunion show or anything like that yeah. we just us playing a show that's good yeah that's almost like Fugazi like in some ways like how Fugazi I, I still feel like someday like they're gonna put out another record and play play some shows yeah it's like they never officially call it quits because they leave it open ended you know and um yeah I mean I I remember like a few years ago you guys were planning a show up here in Syracuse, and you'd asked Tombs if we could come up and play. Yes, yeah. And, but we weren't available for that, I remember, at that time. But, yeah, yeah that would have been something. I, if you ever do that again, feel free, man. I yeah, I'd love to come yeah, up and do a show with you guys. That'd be awesome. But, uh, so, yeah, that going back to the theft, man, that was, like, probably the reason for that paranoia, I think. Right? Yeah, yeah, it was. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Graham was sleeping in the van that time we got robbed in New York with, at your house. Yeah, and yeah. he caught the guy, yelled at the guy, he stuck his arm out the window at the guy, and the guy <laughs> fell off his bike, and Graham thought he was going to come back after him. Oh, no. So Graham, like, hid back in the van and got all nervous, but... Yeah. yeah. He, he got a power inverter from us, too, and I think that was it, though. Yeah. If, if he would have got a lot more if Graham wasn't in there, obviously. Yeah, that was... Uh, I feel bad, still. You know, I assured you guys everything would oh, be okay, and you know, oh, yeah, it's no, not the worst that happened to us. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'd always park at Denny's so we could see the van anywhere we went. We had to see the van like from the window. The thing that always got me is you always came into Denny's with your bags too, yeah. and it's like we would come into Denny's and and these guys would bring like their bags and like you know we'd sit at the table and there'd be like you know all the you know the bags of their clothes <laughs> and their stuff in it, and, like you know, 
And uh, yeah, it was, it was pretty funny. Denny's has like always become like a tour icon for me, at least. I, mean, I don't know if you, you guys have the same love in your heart for that oh, place. Oh yeah, it was our place. We we never go to Denny's now. You know, we're home. We never go to Denny's. Obviously, we go to local places. But yeah. On tour though, Denny's was like we had to go to Denny's every night. It's a tour standard because. Like years and years and years ago, I had a really bad experience with uh, food poisoning while I was on tour. And, um, you know, back like then, I was like, oh, I just want to eat at like, you know, some mom and pop places or whatever. So I went to this one spot and it was like, you know, just some random place in like the Midwest and I ate this food and it didn't really sit right with me, man. So I was sick for like days. And ever since then, I'm like, I'm only going to go to a place I know is reliable, you know. So Denny's sort of became the spot. That was like, yeah, sit down, it's air conditioned, it's like a you know, standard, each one has the same menu, the same type of coffee, the same like food basically, and you know you're not gonna get food poisoning, or you're you're actually less likely to get food yeah. poisoning there, you know. But uh but yeah, you know, maybe I can get Denny's as a sponsor for this thing someday, <laughs> you know, if I keep repping them so hard, you know. On this last tour, we actually we went to one Denny's and the guy who was driving us hated it. And I was just like, dude, like, you go to a diner and it's like you expect a certain thing, so you have to kind of adjust your standards, I guess. Yeah. You know, you're not going to get, like, you know, some balsamic vinaigrette, you know, chicken dish or whatever. You're going to get, like, a burger or omelets or, you know, stuff like that. Or the, the moon's over my hammy or whatever the hell it's called, you know? <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, man. Uh Jesse is also Recess is also the roaster for the um, for the solid uh, Savage Gold uh, coffee that's coming out. And uh, by the time this podcast uh, surfaces, there'll be a link that's available for you guys to go to the site and uh, check it out. And uh, so, if you support me, you're also supporting uh, Recess Coffee. So keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, so thanks for you guys uh, taking the time out to uh, to talk with us. And uh, once again, if you're in the market for uh, all hemp antimicrobial uh, bags for your shin guards, headgear, jujitsu gis, uh, all that sort of stuff. Uh, definitely check out Datsusara. Uh, Chris was a guest on this podcast a number of months ago, and he's like a really cool guy. We want to look out for him. And also, if you're in the supplement um, trip, you can check out onit.com and uh, be sure to go to both of those places at the portals on uh, Everything Went Black Media. So take care. Oh, 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 oh,